Um, and, you know, I guess for me, one of the things that I commit my time to is when I read the word is I commit to really just submitting to what God has to say to us in this particular day. Um, and, and so I want you guys today to spend some time and to just prayerfully, just, just for a moment, just spend a moment real quick and prayerfully ask for God to speak to you through this time as we spend it in the word. Yes, we've been reading through the entire Old Testament and now we're in the book of Ezekiel, but I'd like for you guys to just invest some time, just a, just a moment to say, Lord, speak to me as we spend this time in the reading of the word. We have people from all over reading today. Some of you, it's early morning. Some of you, it's late night, depending on where you are on the planet. But here we are together reading the word. And I believe God has something specific to say to each and every one of us as we spend time in the word. This is a familiar portion of scripture for a lot who've grown up in church. Ezekiel 37, we tend to go right to it. But I think that now that you've read the scriptures and you guys have sat with me and journeyed with me through the reading of the word, you're starting to see this from a broader perspective. And I hope you can even see Ezekiel 37 in a whole new light. Um, I hope you can see it from a whole different perspective now that you see the bigger picture and the grander story. And so anyway, let's spend some time uh, to read and I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right to it. If this is your first time, what I ask you to do is to do three things. As we read, ask God, what is he revealing concerning himself? Second question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? That's what we want to do. That's what we want to invest our time in. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given us to come together to read your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would uh, move us, Lord, that your spirit would inspire us today. Lord, meet us, give us our daily bread. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel 37. And it says this, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of, sorry, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord (laughs) and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Hmm. I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. There was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they may live. Hmm. 
So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Hmm. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Hmm. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Ooh, this is good. Behold, O oh my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O oh my people, I brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, as for you, son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you saying, will these not show us what you meant by these? Sorry, will you not show us Sorry, what you meant by these? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah and make them one stick and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before your eyes. Then say to them, surely, says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone and will gather them from every side and bring them into their land. And I will make them one nation in the land and the mountains of Israel and one king shall be over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them from their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Let me write this down. David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt. And they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Hmm. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And it shall be a lasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
the nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Ah, yes. Chapter 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog in the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your armies, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with buckles and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and hand and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagarma from far north and all its troops. Many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a storm, you and all your troops, many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land of the unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take away, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, thus says the Lord God on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses in great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before your eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? Verse 18. And it shall come to pass in the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face for I, sorry, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken surely in that day. There shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall Shake my presence and the mountain shall be known, 
shall, shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, and fire, and brimstone. Thus, I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 39. And we'll stop there today. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and lead on you, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. And I will send fire on Magog and on all those who live in security in the wastelands. Then I, sorry, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Surely it is coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, the javelins and the spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them. It will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place in Israel the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will instruct the travelers because they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore, they will call it the valley of Haman Gog. Hmm. Stuff to learn. For seven months, the house of Israel will be buried. Well, sorry, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. To cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and to bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search, and the search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bone, he shall set up a marker by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. The name of the city will also be Hamanah. Thus they shall cleanse the land. Verse 17. And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather together from all sides of my sacrificial meal when I am 
sacrificing for you a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood and shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth of rams and lambs of goats and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you are full and drink blood till you are drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men, with men of war, says the Lord God. Verse 21, I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed, and my land, which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord God. From that day forth, the Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of the enemies, and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanliness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. Therefore, says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. I will be jealous for my holy name. And after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, when they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid when I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God who sent them into captivity among the nations but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer and I will not hide my face from them anymore for I shall I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, said the Lord God. Hmm. We're going to stop right there. Um, it's good to see all my family here, my family on TikTok, my family on, um, on IG. Um, now I got a whole family on Discord, so it's really cool. Um, I will say this, that I'm going to become more attentive to Discord. Cause I just, I just love the platform. So I want to invite you guys to just definitely join our discord community, Opus Frere, um, the Opus Frere discord community. I'm looking to expand that and really <laughs> put more of my effort there. Um, it's just, it's such a effective way to connect with people who, um, support or plugged in connected. I just love it. I love what the community is about. I love how we all get to connect together and it provides an opportunity for you guys to have conversations with each other and, and encourage each other. What I love about the Discord platform as well is I love that it um I, I love that people are sending are posting prayer requests and other people are praying for them. So, you know, when we talk about life shouldn't be done alone, ministry shouldn't be done alone, a life in Christ shouldn't be done alone. I want to encourage you. Definitely join my Discord there. Um, I see everybody right now on Discord, all you know, talking to each other and encouraging each other. I love that. It's good to see you, Tammy. Good to see you, Asia. Good to see all of y'all. Um, so anyway, I, I want to point that out before I get started. Um, I and then again, patrons on Patreon, there there is a private channel there which I want to be more attentive to as well. So you'll notice there, you know, I see I see you guys, I see my patrons, and I see you guys messaging there. So. Uh, be sure to go there because that's where you're going to get more um, 
you're going to get more engagement from me there because again, it's, it's just a much more robust. I'm trying to consolidate. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to consolidate um, all my energy and effort to connect with you guys. Cause that's really what I want to do. I want to connect with you, empower you in the word and empower you in the scriptures. We, we do the read and ramp and the read and ramp isn't a Bible study. Oh, and also one last thing, Bible study tonight. I want to encourage you come through. It will be on discord. Okay. Bible study tonight on discord. So definitely come through. Um, I will only be paying attention to the Patreon chat because I want to focus on my patrons. Um, but I, I just want to encourage you to come and join us for Bible study on discord as well. So just join the discord. You'll get all the information there. I, as I mentioned before, when we, when we spend time in the reading of the word, we're asking for the Lord to speak to us, to reveal who he is to us. We ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then God, what are you revealing concerning me? Um, I, I, I read this and man, when I can tell you I'm all charged up, I'm charged up for a couple of reasons. First, I, I try to avoid making this a Bible study because then we can be here all day and I only have a few moments with you guys. So I try to just listen and hear, well, what's the one thing God is really speaking to that I can share with you that he's encouraging me with today? We talked about this yesterday and I'll share what that is. We didn't get to cover entirely just some of the thoughts that I had from our reading yesterday when we read through chapters uh, 35 and 36 and seeing how we see a shift in the narrative that we go from God's judgment to now God's hope, how judgment precedes hope. Some often would think that judgment follows, what follows judgment is hopelessness. What follows judgment is simply pain and brokenness. Now realizing that when God is judging, God is making things right. When God is judging, God is reorienting people. When God is judging, God is reorienting things. When God is judging, God is setting things in the order in which we would see and experience human flourishing. God does not judge just for the sake of his own judgment. God is not judging just to prostrate his power. God is not judging just to, you know, inflict pain and to, you know, we, we talk about this God and we say, well, God is, you know, he's so prideful. He's so about himself. First of all, who are you to even question who God is and what God is like? Who gave you the right to do that? However, even if you were there, I want to kind of correct that for a moment and say, maybe you don't understand God's justice is that God's justice is rooted in God's love. He's orienting things right because he wants to see humanity flourish. And I think that's the part that we miss sometimes. You know, there's one thing that I appreciate. There's one thing that I appreciate about my kids. Um, and let me tell you, being a parent is, is tough. Okay, being a parent is, it tests every every little bit of your patience, but I love my kids. I love my kids. And the thing I love the most about them is, is that and maybe it's just because we've invested the time to help them understand this. 
But I've told my sons that I am the way that I am because I want to see the best for you. And what I love is that my kids have established a trust in me as a father and in my, my wife as a mother have trusted us in that way. That when we come to them a certain way, when we discipline them, they, they know that it's for their good. They know it's for their good. And so as much as they drive me crazy, I just love that part of who they are, that they've trusted us in that way to know, well, dad wants the best for us. I wish we were that way with God. I wish we understood that often when God is disciplining and God is reorienting us, that God is doing it for our own good. God is not imposing his, his judgment on people so that he just imposes his power on people. His judgment and his justice is rooted in love. The scriptures tell us that God is love. If you love your kids, you're not just going to let them do whatever. If you love your kids, you're not just going to let them, you know, make whatever decisions they want to make. If you love your kids, you're going to want to create boundaries for them so that you can see them develop and flourish. If you love your kids, you're just not going to let them live their own truth. That's the reality, fam. And so for some of us, we don't understand why God puts boundaries on things, why God creates these, 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 you can say these bounds and these rules. Well, he does it because he loves us and he wants to see us flourish. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Did you hear that family? God loves you so much that he disciplines you. God loves you so much that he puts boundaries around you. God loves you so much that he places rules for you to flourish. He doesn't do it because he wants to control you. He does it because he loves you. And when you understand that his word is rooted in love, because the Bible tells us that God is love. When you understand that his words are rooted in love, then you'll learn to trust him when he says no to something. You'll learn to trust him when he says yes to something. You'll learn to trust him even when the times are difficult. You'll learn to trust him even when the times are beyond painful. Don't ever question the character of God. You may be questioning yourself in the moment, but God's love never, ever changes. Never changes. And so when we see what's happening here and we see God making all things right, we see God, and, and it seems ugly, but notice that after judgment, there's hope. There's hope after judgment. There's hope. I don't punish my kids just to punish them. Punish my kids because I believe in them. <laughs> I don't discipline them because I want to show them that I'm the boss and I'm in control. I discipline them because I want the best for them. If I expect nothing from my children, 
then I'll do nothing for them. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense here? So don't ever think that your season of pain ends in pain. Your season of pain will end in hope and joy and flourishing. Pain is not the end. It is not the end. And for some of you, you're thinking to yourself, I put myself in this. I did this to myself. I imposed this on myself. I messed up. And because of that, I am where I'm at. Have you ever thought that the one who judges the one who determines all that is right and wrong loves you more than anything in the world and that he loves you so much that he wants to see you flourish. Maybe your pain is not purposeless, but maybe your pain has a purpose. There's gain after the pain. Just trust to God even in the midst of that. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In the morning, fam. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Somebody may be going through some stuff right now. You may be weeping. And maybe you're feeling a lot of shame and guilt because maybe you imposed that on yourself. Maybe you made some mistakes and now you're feeling the pain from it. Maybe you're just dealing with just a lot of difficulty and you're wondering, wait a minute, is this the end for me? I came to tell you your pain is not your end. Judgment is not the end. If you're weeping today, there's still joy that's coming in the morning. God's not done with you yet. You're going to get out of this. You're going to get out of this. I read this. And I see a shift in the narrative. We saw all this judgment for, for literally for 34 chapters. God is judging things. And man, there's a lot of weeping. There's a lot of weeping here. But then we get to, sorry, we get to 34 and chapter 35, weeping. But chapter 36, everything changes. We go from weeping now to the promise of blessing. The blessing on Israel. The Israel that was being judged, meaning God wasn't done with Israel. God was making things right in Israel. God saw everything that was going wrong in Israel, not realizing that Israel is not even good for Israel. And now God has literally deconstructed Israel so that Israel can be reconstructed. God is wearing Israel down, bringing Israel to the ground so that God can build Israel back up. Oh my goodness, I don't got a lot of time, but I just feel moved today as I read this and I feel moved to encourage some folks 
as I'm reading through Ezekiel and we're reading through this book up to this point, we're going, man, this ain't good. But for many of us, that's the life we've been living. That's what we've been experiencing. We're experiencing all that is ugly. But now we get to this place where we realize that on the other side of ugly is beauty. On the other side of ugly is renewal. God is not in the business of destruction. Whew. God is in the business of renewal family. The thing is, God cannot renew something that's still there. He's got to break it down to build something new. God is not in the business of destroying you. He's not in the business of punishing you. He's not in the business of you know, ending you. He's in the business of renewing you. He's in the business of renewing your life. Every aspect, every dimension of your life. He's in the business of renewing your marriage. He's in the business of renewing your family. He's in the business of renewing your city. He's in the business of renewing your community. He's in the business of renewing your home. But God can't renew something that is so solidly built on whatever you think is right. Whatever your life is built on, God's saying, I got to tear it all down first before I build it all up in me. And maybe you're in a season where you feel like life is falling apart for me, for you. Maybe you, maybe you're in a season where you feel like, man, my life is just gone. Know this. God's got to deconstruct first before he reconstructs. And we're seeing a reconstruction here. The prefix re exactly right. You can't reconstruct until you deconstruct. But what is the reconstruction? Oh, I don't have enough time. So, oh, Jesus. God says this and makes this promise to, to Ezekiel. He says to Ezekiel, there's a new Israel coming. And this new Israel is going to come alive by my spirit. Did y'all hear that? This new Israel is coming alive by my spirit. I need to renew the people. And the only way that can happen is by the outpouring of my spirit. Israel has been living on their mind and their spirit and their way of thinking. But the only way we're going to see healing is not by them complying to me. They've already, they've already revealed they can't even follow my law. They don't even get it. They're going to need my spirit to become a new people. Fam, you don't need more Bible to change. Fam, you, you don't need more scripture. You don't, you don't need more Sunday school. You don't need more Bible studies. Ooh, you don't need more services on Sunday to change. That's right. You don't need more commentaries and more dictionaries. You don't, you don't need more um, books and no, that's not what you need. You know what you need? You need the spirit of God. And for a lot of you, you're trying to figure out how can you be made new and transformed? 
and you think that it's something you don't know, not realizing it's not something you don't know. It's the fact that you have not submitted yet. You actually need his spirit. The spirit of God is what transforms you, not the information. You don't need seminary. As a matter of fact, seminary without the spirit of God. Thank you, Maverick. Seminary without the spirit of God is just a cemetery. And then we get to chapter 37. Israel's faced all this judgment. All the nations are facing judgment. Babylon has been given this authority by God. The sword of Babylon is God himself and his judgment is wrath. And then we get through and then we get to chapter 37. And he says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. Again, we don't have enough time to speak about what that means. That's a whole Bible study. That first verse is a whole Bible study. I don't got enough time for that. Brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Now, he already says what this is, because in the end, he says these bones are Israel. These people are moving, they're walking, they're living, they're doing their thing. But God does not see living people. God sees bones. He doesn't see people who are alive. He sees bones. You know, I love that we're positioning ourselves this way. You know, it's great when we look at it from an exilic perspective, because now we get to read it and not insert ourselves yet into it. we got to insert Israel into it. This is not about us. It's about Israel and what it means for us. Y'all understand that. It's about Israel and what it means for us. It's about Israel and the implications for all of humanity. At the center of this is Israel. And he says to Israel, I, you were a nation that I set aside, that I chose to bring the righteousness and the justice of God, to be the, the, the mediators, a nation of priests. That's what I called you to be. But you've been moving around and everybody sees activity, but I see bones. And then he says to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? The, the rhetorical question, can these bones live? God knows the answer to that question. The question is, does Ezekiel know? And Ezekiel reveals that even he has lost confidence. This is just a word of encouragement for, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm ranting. Yes, but this is just a word of encouragement for the ministers, for the preachers, for the evangelists, for the prophets, for all of y'all. Can I just encourage you for a moment? Some of you may be right where Ezekiel is right now, looking at the valley of dry bones, looking at the cultural moment, looking at this thing, and you're saying to yourself, I don't even know if these bones can come to life. I don't know if these bones can come alive again. I, I, I've, I've, I've seen dead bones for too long in the valley. Too long in the valley have I seen dead bones. And for some of us, we've lost hope in prophesying. We've lost hope in preaching. We've lost hope in proclaiming. We've Because you look and God is asking Ezekiel, not because God doesn't know the answer. God is asking Ezekiel because he wants to know, does Ezekiel know the answer? And Ezekiel exposes what many of us in our heart are struggling with. Is, oh Lord God, you know. 
by implication, Ezekiel saying, I don't know. Family, if you're if you're here today and you may be in a season of call it uh, gospel fatigue. <laughs> and you may think, be thinking to yourself, man, there's no hope for this world. I spoke to a brother not too long ago and said, man, there's no hope. You cannot believe in the power of the gospel and believe there's no hope. You cannot believe in how the gospel has transformed and believe there's no hope. God is not that. No one is too far away from God. No situation is too hopeless from God. It doesn't get worse than Israel. Fam. It doesn't get worse than Israel. And if God can bring Israel back to life, then God can bring any city back to life. And I, I just I just need to speak to somebody today. I need to speak to some folks today who they said, you know what? I'm just going to do me, live my own life, do my own thing. Don't ever lose your zeal. Don't ever lose your passion. Don't ever lose hope. Ever. Don't ever lose hope. Not even in America, not even in the nations that are, we call them post-Christian. Not even, don't ever, ever, ever lose hope. Why? Because God knows that all it takes is the outpouring of his spirit. It was never by your ability. It was by your submission to him. It was by your submission to simply prophesy to the dry bones. And some of us, we stopped prophesying because we gave up. We stopped proclaiming. We stopped preaching. We stopped sharing. You know why? Because we're tired. We're tired of fighting people. Well, maybe you've been fighting the wrong battle. We're tired of fighting over scripture. Maybe you're fighting the wrong battle. This is not a battle of scripture. This is a battle on our knees and a battle with our mouth. For some of us, we have lost hope. What if I told you there's a revival coming? What if I told you they're dry bones coming back to life? (sighs) What if I told you that all God wants is some people who will just believe? Who will just believe? Because guess what? This This got nothing to do with you. It's not by your power. It's not by your might. It is by what? The Spirit of God. You know, the problem is, I don't know how this happened. You didn't bring yourself back to life. It's the spirit that brought you back to life. Anybody got a testimony to say, man, I came a long way. A long way. Yes, I couldn't do it myself. God had to meet me right where I was. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of it all, God met me right there. Let me ask you something, fam. If God met you and brought you to life, why is it that all of a sudden you believe that somehow all of this is up to you now? If God is the one that got you here, why is it that now somehow you think you got something to do with people coming to Jesus? How about we change our posture? How about we just do what God tells us to do and trust God to do what he does? 
because it's not going to be by our might and our power, but it's going to be by his spirit that has brought us alive. Too many of us are trusting in our ability. Not enough of us are trusting in the spirit of God. And too many of us, we want to see people change, but we think we're going to change them with systems. And we think we're just going to change them with, with, with education. But we have not taught people to simply submit to the only, only power that will transform the heart of man. And that's the spirit of God. That's the only thing that's going to transform you. The spirit of God is what brought you here. Listen, folk, right now, you think that you need more convincing. You don't need more convincing, y'all. You need the spirit of God. You don't, you don't need more information. You need the spirit of God. You don't need more insight. You need the spirit of God. You're moving around, but you know you're dead inside. This is Israel. You're chasing whatever it is the world told you to chase. You're chasing you're chasing everything that the society, that culture told you to chase. You're chasing everything you believe. This is what life is all about. But the reality is you feel dead inside. You might even get more of what the world offered to you, but you feel dead inside. And you're confused because you're wondering, well, when am I going to feel alive? Here's the reality. For a lot of us, we're walking dead. We're walking dead because we're depending on our own selves. When the only way we're going to come alive is if God pours out his spirit on us. We don't ask for his spirit anymore. We ask for more information. We don't ask for his spirit anymore. We ask for more rules. We don't ask for his spirit anymore. We ask for more insight. How about we just simply say, God, I'm going to need your spirit to come alive. I'm going to need your spirit. I need you to pour out your spirit. And not enough of us pray for that. When's the last time you prayed for the outpouring of the spirit of God? <laughs> When's the last time you prayed for that? Or are we just still trying to use church systems and church strategies? And, and we're trying to, we're just trying to do the cool thing. People don't need more information. They need the spirit of God. And there's somebody that you're praying for. I know, I, can I just speak real quick? There's some folks right here you're praying for. You're praying for God to help your husband. Change your prayer. Say, Lord, pour out your spirit on him. And some of you, you're trying to, you're praying to God that, that, that God would just change your son or your daughter. Fam. You're, you're, you can teach them. You can do all of that. You can, you can raise them up well. <laughs> what your son or your daughter needs is the spirit of God. <laughs> they need the spirit. I, you know, I can say my parents raised me well, but fam, I, I'm not here because of my parents I'm bringing. I'm learning a lot from my parents I'm bringing, but I'm not here because of my parents I'm bringing. I'm here because the spirit of God poured out on me. Let's make that our prayer for God to pour out his spirit. Oh my gosh. I even get to my main point. Uh, 
Because what happens when he pours out his spirit? He says, prophesy to them. He says, thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Who does the work? God did the work, not them. He says, I will put sinews on you and I will put flesh on you. I will cover you up with skin and I'll put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Notice that. Fam, they're not doing anything. You, the, the people who are dead aren't doing anything. God is the one doing all of it. And what does Ezekiel do? He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a rattling. This was a man who did not know these people would come to life, but he was obedient because God said, this is what I will do. So what did he do? He just prophesied. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. And then he said, all of a sudden, this is all in the vision that he sees of what is happening. And these bones started to come together and these bones started to move. And then he says, prophesy to the breath. Why? Because there was still no breath in them. It's not enough to just have a semblance of coming alive. You need God to breathe and you need God to breathe again. I'm done. That's it. I don't, I'm out of time. I got to go. You need God to breathe and you need God to breathe again. The word spirit is the word ruach. And the word ruach is, is, is the same word that is used for the word breath. The spirit of God is the breath of God. There are many of us that don't understand that to be inspired, the word inspire literally means inspire. That means spare is, is to breathe, to breathe in, inspire, to breathe in. Inspiration comes from the Spirit of God breathing into humanity. You don't need just the breath that, that, that puts you together. You need the breath that's going to keep you alive. And for some of us, we got the breath that kept us, that, that woke us up, but we don't have the breath that keeps us going. You need God to breathe again. Breathe again. Breathe again, breathe again, breathe again. They are, they got skin. He put breath in them. But he said, hold on a second. There was no breath in them. They started with the breath in chapter five, but in chapter eight, they have no breath. Some of us, we stopped at where God brought us alive, but we stopped and we did not continue to say, I need you to keep breathing. I need you to keep breathing in me, God. That's that, that's it. Yo, yo, I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I could do this all, all, all day. I'm, I'm, I just, the Lord is working something even in my heart as I'm speaking to you that sometimes we become so self-sufficient in a moment, not realizing that we need God to continually breathe in us. I need God's breath today. I need God's breath tomorrow. I need God again the, the day after and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. I can't have just the breath that brought me to life. I need the breath that's going to keep me alive. 
I need the breath that's going to keep me going. I need the breath for every moment. That needs to be our prayer today. We need God to breathe again, fam. For some folks in here, you're not, you don't even believe in anything I'm speaking about. That's, listen, I'm glad you're here. We're live right now, and I'm glad. I got some folks who come here. I have folks who've messaged me and said, hey, I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in this stuff. But I, I, I like your perspective. And that's cool. I, I'm glad you are here. I'm glad you are here. And you know what? Get all the information you can. Hopefully I can give you a clear understanding of this Bible and what it's about. Maybe again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no expert. Okay. So don't come to me like I'm some kind of expert. I'm just a guy who spent a lot of time in his word. And, 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 and all I have to say, this is all I have to say is at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to change is if God meets you right where you are. And it's great. You can get all the information and you can walk away with it. And that's fine. And, and I'm cool with that. I want you to keep coming because I just, my prayer for you is that God will breathe in you. This ain't going to, I'm not going to change your mind. Some of you are, some of you guys don't even know where you're at with your faith. No one's going to change your mind. Nobody. I, I'm not going to change your mind. I'm no authority. I got no power to change your mind. But there's something that is so much more powerful than that's the breath of God. And man, when God breathes, you don't need anybody to convince you of anything. Fam, it was the breath of God. That's the only reason why I'm here. And the reason why a lot of folks can't understand. It's the last thing I'm going to say. And then I got to go. The reason why a lot of folks can't understand why these people believe in this stuff. They think that People are Christian because they've been indoctrinated. They think that people are Christian because somebody fed them some stuff since they grew up on it. There's a lot of folk who are struggling with why do these people believe this stuff? Why are people even Christian? Where does it come from? There's a lot of folks who think, man, these people are just ignorant, indoctrinated. That's all they are. Listen, I get where you're coming from, fam. You're never going to get it. You're never going to get it if you're trying to make sense of it. It's never going to just make sense. It's going to take the spirit of God to reveal to you the truth of who he is. And some folks are just trying to, trying to understand why people think this way and why they live this way. And because people have met God. I don't care how much I tell you what I believe and what I know. At the end of the day, it's never going to make sense unless the spirit of God pours out on you. And that's my prayer for most folk. When they go, man, I don't know why you believe what you believe. All I can say is, I hope you experience what I experience. You're never going to get it until God meets you. And once you experience God, you can't unexperience what you've experienced. There's some folks, I'm sorry if I just work for it. Just let me work for a moment. There's some folks here. The reason why you're even still on this chat, the reason why you're still on this live is because you're trying to make sense of what you've experienced. You experienced the breath of God. You experienced this coming alive and you cannot unexperience it. Some of you saw the face of Jesus. 
and you and, and maybe you walked away from the church and you walked away from faith. Some of you guys experience God and you're trying to walk away and you can't say that you're atheist. You can't because you're trying to make sense of what you experience. So you just say that you're agnostic. You just don't know. But you can't shake off what you experience because the truth is you can't unexperience what you've experienced. And so you're kind of stuck here. You're still listening to this right now. And the reason why you're still listening to this is because you're trying to, to deconstruct whatever it is that you experience. You're trying to make sense of it. At the end of the day, you can't make sense of it because faith is about an encounter with God. You've encountered God, but maybe you went through some stuff in your life, be it the church or be it wherever, whatever cult, whatever you grew up on. And now you know that that wasn't right. But that still does not take away what you experience. And that's what you're struggling with. I want to invite you today to just throw all the stuff you grew up on away and start with that experience and ask that experience to speak to you. God is a person who you don't just get to know about, but you get to know. He wants you to know him because nobody knows you better than he does. So stay here, keep staying here. But the prayer is that you have the spirit of God pour out on you, pour out on you. Father, I thank you that you brought us here. Lord, I, I thank you that um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing to think about is how we even got here. How did we get here, God? Not by anything I've done. Not by anything any of us have done. We got here because you met us right where we were. Some of us in church, some of us in broken places, some of us tripped up, messed up. You met us right, right where we were. And here we are. Here we are, God, asking that you breathe again. So, Lord, breathe again. Breathe in us again. Send us alive. Send us on fire. Teach us, Lord, to live alive, to move by your spirit. Not by our understanding, not by our power, not by our might, but by your spirit. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey.